we are reading in the scriptures of the Old Testament uh, from Genesis chapter 23. Genesis chapter 23, and we want to read the whole chapter. And boys and girls, I'm going to be talking to you about this chapter in a few moments. So I'll be asking you the question, can you tell me what the chapter is about? Can you tell me what the chapter is about? Genesis chapter 23, page 23, and we commence at verse 1. Sarah lived to be 127 years old. She died at Kiriath Arba, that is Hebron, in the land of Canaan. And Abraham went to mourn for Sarah and to weep over her. Then Abraham rose from beside his dead wife and spoke to the Hittites. He said, I am an alien and a stranger among you. Sell me some property for a burial site here so that I can bury my dead. The Hittites replied to Abraham, Sir, listen to us. You are a mighty prince among us. Bury your dead in the choicest of our tombs. None of us will refuse you his tomb for burying your dead. Then Abraham rose and bowed down before the people of the land, the Hittites. He said to them, If you are willing to let me bury my dead, then listen to me and intercede with Ephron, son of Zohar, on my behalf, so that he will sell me the cave of Machpelah, which belongs to him and is at the end of his field. Ask him to sell it to me for the full price as a burial site among you. Ephron the Hittite was sitting among his people, and he replied to Abraham in the hearing of all the Hittites who had come to the gate of his city. No, my lord, he said, listen to me. I give you the field, and I give you the cave that is in it. I give it to you in the presence of my people. Bury your dead. Again Abraham bowed down before the people of the land, and he said to Ephron in their hearing, Listen to me, if you will. I will pay the price of the field. Accept it from me, so that I can bury my dead there. Ephron answered Abraham, Listen to me, my lord. The land is worth worth four hundred shekels of silver. But what is that between me and you? Bury your dead. Abraham agreed to Ephron's terms and weighed out for him the price he had named in the hearing of the Hittites, four hundred shekels of silver, according to the weight current among the merchants. So Ephron's field in Machpelah near Mamre, both the field and the cave in it, and all the trees within the borders of the field, was legally made over to Abraham as his property in the presence of all the Hittites, who had come to the gate of the city. Afterwards, Abraham buried his wife Sarah in the cave in the field of Machpelah, near Mamre, which is at Hebron, in the land of Canaan. So the field and the cave in it were legally made over to Abraham by the Hittites as a burial site. And then we turn to 1 Peter chapter 3 in the New Testament. Using the Church Bible, you'll find it on page 1219. Page 1219. 
First Peter chapter 3 and verse 1, where Peter writes about Abraham and Sarah and how their faith worked itself out in their marriage relationship. <coughs> Wives, in the same way, be submissive to your husbands, so that if any of them do not believe the word, they may be won over without words by the behavior of their wives, when they see the purity and reverence of your lives. Your beauty should not come from outward adornment, such as braided hair and the wearing of gold jewelry and fine clothes. Instead, it should be that of your inner self, the unfading beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit, which is of great worth in God's sight. For this is the way the holy women of the past, who put their hope in God, used to make themselves beautiful. They were submissive to their own husbands, like Sarah, who obeyed Abraham and called him her master. You are her daughters if you do what is right and do not give way to fear. Husbands, in the same way, be considerate as you live with your wives and treat them with respect as the weaker partner that is heirs with you of the gracious gift of life so that nothing will hinder your prayers. Amen. There are, of course, three notable exceptions with regard to death in Scripture. Enoch, who walked with God and was no more. Uh, Elijah, who was taken up. Um, and then Jesus, uh, who also ascended into the heavens. And in the future there will be a notable exception when Jesus returns again. For those alive at his coming will not die. They will be ushered immediately into their eternal state, whether that is heaven for the believer uh, or hell for the unbeliever. But keeping these exceptions in mind, we can say categorically with Scripture, there is a time to be born and there is a time to die. We can say with Job, the Lord gave and the Lord took away. We can say with the writer to the Hebrews, it is appointed unto men once to die and after that the judgment. Believers die. We encounter death in our families. We encounter death among our friends and we encounter death in the church. And this morning in the providence of God, in the consecutive studies of the life of Abraham, this man who lived by faith, we are brought face to face with death. In the death of Sarah. And that's the title of our study this morning. The death of Sarah. And what an example she was and is to us in death. 
And what a blessing I believe God will bring to us as we consider this woman at the time of her death. There are four things that I want us to note this morning about the death of Sarah. First of all, note that Sarah lived by faith. Sarah lived by faith. Verse 1 says, Sarah lived to be a hundred and twenty-seven years old. Now that statement says nothing about how this woman lived her long life. But we have been following the footsteps and the journey of this woman in her life for the past 62 years of her life. And we have seen this woman in Genesis chapter 12 through to this 23rd chapter of Genesis living by faith in Jesus Christ the Son of God. And then when we come to the New Testament it is affirmed that this woman lived by faith. Strikingly in Hebrews chapter 11 that gallery of the great uh, people of faith in the Old Testament it's almost exclusively male. Two women only two are mentioned and one is Sarah. One is Sarah. And she lived by faith as we saw there in Hebrews uh, chapter 11. If you look at verse 11 you will see how by faith when she was um, faced with the challenge of her barrenness she overcame it. Now this woman wasn't born with faith. We sometimes say of people they were born with a silver spoon in their mouths. In other words, they were born well off. Well, no one is born with faith unless the Holy Spirit has already worked prior to their birth in their soul, in their mother's womb. And that can happen. But it wasn't the case for Sarah. This woman was not born with faith. This woman came to faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. Remember when Abraham was 75 years of age. The Lord God revealed himself savingly to Abraham. And we believe at the same time. Or we assume at the same time to Sarah. Now Sarah was 10 years his junior. That means she was 65 when with Abraham at 75 she set out on the journey of faith. Moving from Ur in the east in Babylonia. Moving to the land of Canaan in the west. And after that this woman lived to be 127. And so we can say here's a woman who lived the life of faith in Jesus Christ, her Saviour, for 62 years. Now, she didn't live the life of faith perfectly. 
We know that from our earlier studies. We think particularly the whole episode of her banness and her yearning to have a child and her do-it-yourself method of helping God along with his promise. And all that messy situation with Hagar. It was not Sarah's best moment in her Christian life. It wasn't the best months or years in her Christian life. As she developed hostile attitudes and showed unkind actions and spoke hurtful words to Hagar. But nonetheless, this woman lived by faith for 62 years. Yes, there were the low points, the troughs, but also there were the high points. And then increasingly like Abraham, as she got older, that walk of faith was steadier and steadier. What a testimony Sarah is. What a challenge she is to us here this morning. To you this this morning, who are women in particular. Remember, girls, remember, young women, you're not born with faith. You're not born with faith. It's not something that develops naturally, like the colour of your hair. No, this is a gift of God, a gift of the Holy Spirit that God has to bring you to through the Word, through the Gospel, through His Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. Are you girls living by faith in Jesus this morning? Are you young women living by faith in Jesus this morning? Middle-aged women, are you living by faith in Jesus this morning? Yes, perhaps there have been times in the past and events and incidents in the past and they haven't been your best moments as Christians. You've had your Hagar time and experience when by your words and actions and attitudes you betrayed your Saviour and disappointed your Saviour. But grace abounds much more where sin abounds. Sarah lived by faith. Now how did her faith manifest itself in her life? How did it demonstrate itself? Because that is crucial. Faith in Christ, where it's in a person's heart, it will manifest itself in their life. Yes, not perfectly, not only, but surely and truly. Well, what was Abraham? What was Sarah whenever she became a believer? She was a wife when she came to faith in the Son of God. And that was the chief sphere in which she lived out her faith. As a wife first and later as her mother, as a mother. And it was in that sphere of her particular vocation to be a wife 
and a mother, that her faith was tested, and her faith was strengthened, and her faith eventually triumphed as she overcame her barrenness. This woman didn't herd cattle. This woman didn't shepherd sheep. This woman didn't build cities. This woman didn't join the men at the city gates saying, I'm as talented as you are and I have a right to be there. Women and young girls and very young girls You have many, many gifts. God has ensured that and given you those gifts. And it's legitimate and right for you to use those gifts as God gives you opportunity and as God guides you. But there is a principle here as they're not coming out in Sarah's life where when she became a wife, her chief vocation was to be a wife to Abraham and a mother to her children and that's where she worked out her faith and that's where she lived out her faith you see that's a major difference to what our world says today because the world says to you young women with all your talents and all your abilities you can be as good as men and you can be out in the workplace and you can be a mother and you can be a wife and you can be a working woman. And it says, come and join us and you will have status and you'll have recognition, you'll have satisfaction and you'll have achievement. But the Lord God says, young girls, young women, middle-aged women, if you're a wife, if your mother, your chief vocation, your primary vocation is to be that. And anything that you do out there in the society, anything you do out there in the world must come after that. And your greatest accomplishment and your greatest achievement will be what you do in support of your husband to enable him to be a godly man And your children to enable them to grow up to be godly young people. Sarah is to be a model for women. That's what Peter says. That's what the scriptures teach. 1 Peter chapter 3. That we read earlier. Do not let your beauty be outward. But the hidden person... With a gentle and quiet spirit. For in this way in times past. The holy women who trusted in God. Adorned themselves. How does a woman make herself look beautiful? Is it going into next? Or top woman? Or those other shops. At the very very top of the market. And getting the finest of clothes. Dressing in silk and linen? Is it with the makeup and the hairdo? Is that what makes a woman beautiful? Yes, that's what the world says today. That's not what God says. 
That's not where your beauty is to come from. It's to come from the gentle and quiet spirit. You're to adorn yourself. You're to clothe yourself with that woman. Being submissive to their husbands. For example, Sarah obeyed Abraham, calling him Lord. Whose daughters you are if you do good. The Christian woman, the Christian wife, demonstrates her faith in her calling as a wife and as a mother by having this gentle and quiet spirit, making herself beautiful to her husband by submission, making herself beautiful to other men as she submits to them in their leadership in the church. And proving God faithful as she encounters difficulties and troubles and trials and challenges in that calling of being a wife and a mother. Sarah lived by faith. What a woman. Follow her example. But then secondly, let's see how Sarah died in faith. Sarah died in faith. Verse 2 says, She died at Kiriath Arba. That is Hebron in the land of Canaan. And again, we could take those words at face value and simply say, Well, that only tells the place of her death. But the mention of the place where she died has far more significance than that and than we realise. Let's think of it this way. If when I die it were said of me he died in Fermanagh. What would that mean? Well it would mean that in my latter years I went back to my roots. Died there. If it were said of me he died in England, then it would mean that I'd either moved there or I was there with work. If it, said, if it were said of me I died in Kilrats, it would mean that I went back to the place where my ministry had begun. If it were to be said of me I died, he died in Carrickfergus, it means I died in the place where God had brought me and made me serve him. And so Sarah died in Canaan, the place to which the Lord had brought her, the place in which she had served her Lord. Sixty-two years ago, the Lord brought her here. Sarah died in the land the Lord had promised to give to her and Abraham. You see, here's a woman who continued in faith all through her life right through to the moment she drew her last breath she was living by faith she wasn't like the soils in the parable that Jesus told remember how the wayside and uh, represents people hearing the word of God 
and they hear the word of God and it's snatched away, they hear of Christ and it's snatched away from their hearts before it even gets the length of their hearts. Never gets beyond their ears. In through one ear and out through the other. She wasn't like that. She wasn't like the stony heart where the news of Christ was received immediately with joy and delight. But then there was no root. Her faith was only for a time falling away in tribulation or persecution. No, she wasn't stony ground. This woman's heart and this woman's life was not a thorny ground, thorny soil, where the cares and the desires of this life, caring for Abraham, settling in the land, getting a living, where those things choked the gospel. And her faith became unfruitful. No, that wasn't so. Look, here's a woman that her heart was good soil. All her life through, she heard the word of God at certain points. She heard it from her husband. She heard it directly from the Lord. She accepted it and she bore fruit. And she died in faith. Can I ask you this morning, whether you're a male or a female, are you today continuing in faith? Or is your heart today the wayside, the stony ground, the thorny ground? Yes, there's been a commitment of faith at some point in the past, but that faith isn't doing very well today. That faith is stumbling under persecution. That faith is being choked by the desire to get on in life and the cares of this world. And everything else that's part of life. Are you continuing in faith? If you were to die now. Would you die in a vital, living, bold faith? We're actually told more about Sarah here than she died in Canaan. She died in Hebron. And it's this that brings out the boldness of this woman's faith. Hebron is a place of immense significance for this couple, Abraham and Sarah. Hebron is 20 to 25 miles northeast of Beersheba. Last time Abraham was Beersheba, as far south as you could go in the land before you ended up in the desert. Well, now he's come north. And he's moved a little east, 25 miles, and he's at Hebron. Now, the land of Israel, that narrow land, and you've got the Jordan River, you've got the Dead Sea. There's a range of mountains that run down the centre of the land, parallel with the River Jordan. And Hebron is well down uh, on that ridge of mountains. Hebron is the highest peak, the highest peak of those mountains, of that era. And call, it's caused Palmer Robertson to call it High Hebron. Now, what's so significant about High Hebron? Well, it's Genesis 13, verses 14 to 17. 
Remember after Lot chose the fertile ground down there by the Dead Sea? And Abraham was left with the more barren ground. And what did the Lord do? He says, Abraham, you're standing at high Hebron. You're standing on the highest point in this land. Look to the north. Look to the south. Look to the east. Look to the west. It's all yours, Abraham. And where does Sarah die? At Hebron. At Hebron. The place where the Lord had said, Abraham and Sarah, all this land is yours. And Sarah is dying here in faith at this place. And she's saying, all of this is going to be ours in the future. She died in faith. Bold faith. Strong faith. What a challenge. You see, this woman is not bitter at what God has not given. Because God hasn't actually given them to this point one square inch of the land, despite his promise. Yes, he's given them a son. But he hasn't given them numerous descendants. He hasn't given them an inch, a square inch of the land. Well, Sarah could have been bitter about that. And said, well, God hasn't done what he promised. But she isn't. She's not a crotchety old woman. She's thankful. And she's full of hope. About the land. And about the many descendants. And you see, that's why it was said Sarah died in faith. Because Hebrews 11.13 uses that little phrase. These all died in faith. Not having received the promise, but having seen the promise afar off. My friends, how will you die? If it was today, would you die strong in faith? Sometimes when people get older, as Christians even, they become crotchety. And they become embittered. And all they can do is think back on the things that God didn't give them. The things God didn't do for them. The things God took for them. Instead of seeing the things that God has promised them. The things that lie before them in Christ. That the gospel will progress to the ends of the earth. That the dead will rise again in Christ. That heaven is theirs. That it's coming again is sure and certain. And the whole land, the whole earth, will belong to the people of God. We have every reason to die in a bold, strong faith in our Saviour. But then let's notice thirdly this morning. Sarah. We're now moving, thinking of Abraham and how he responded. Sarah mourned in faith. Abraham mourned in faith. Look at verse 2. I can assure you, when I come to the fourth point, the, uh, it all gets compacted. In case you're thinking only at verse 2, and um, we're never going to get there. But she was mourned. Sarah, uh, Abraham mourned for her in faith. Look at verse 2b. And Abraham went to mourn for Sarah and to weep 
over her. What beautiful, beautiful words. A man of God, his dear wife, this woman who was of a gentle and quiet spirit by the end of her life, this woman that had been a source of blessing to him all his life, how could he do anything else but mourn her passing? This woman that had enriched his life materially and uh, in terms of the marriage relationship, but also spiritually. How could he do anything else but weep for her? How long has Abraham been married to Sarah? How long? We don't know. The answer is that they've been married for at least 62 years. Because when we met them, when we met Sarah 65 years ago, I'm sorry, when she was 65 years of age, she was a married woman. She's now died at 127. So she's been his wife, a faithful, loving, devoted, caring wife, his best companion, his close friend, his um, one flesh relationship for 62 years. What a response. He mourned. And notice he came to mourn. He came to mourn. It was deliberate mourning. He is a believer. He mourns as a believer. His faith does not prevent him mourning. He didn't set aside his need to mourn. And when death touches your life and mine, our Christian faith doesn't make us plastic. It doesn't make us plastic. It doesn't make us sterile. It doesn't make us wear a stiff upper lip. It doesn't make us less than human. Death is an enemy. It's unnatural. And it's right that we should mourn as our Saviour mourned in the face of death. The idea that Christians should put on a show of joy and laughter and mirth in the face of death, it's unreal. And it's unbiblical. It's unbiblical. You see, to mourn and to have faith are not contradictory. They're not contradictory. But to have this superficial joy in the face of death and to have faith, they don't go together. They don't live together. And as an integral part of Abraham's mourning, notice that it was to weep for her. He wept for her. This deep sense of loss that was inside him. You see, we've got to understand this as Scripture shows us. A part of Abraham has died. A part of Abraham has died. That is why those of you who are widows and widowers say, life's not the same. It's not the same. And it can never be the same. Because in marriage the two became one and now half of that is gone. It's gone. And so Abraham weeps in his heart 
that is sorrow that he experiences in his heart. He weeps. There are tears flowing down his cheeks. Notice he doesn't bottle it up. And he's a man who weeps. A man who weeps because of death that has come into his family. Men, it is right and appropriate to weep in the face of death. Forget about what our society says, that it's unmanly. It's the most manly thing to do in the face of death. It's what our perfect Saviour did at the grave of Lazarus. He wept at it. So he had deliberate mourning. He had mourning that expressed itself in tears. But then I want us to note also that here's part of mourning and faith. Um, that we have tears. But also then we limit our mourning. Because it says then at verse 3. Then Abraham stood up. You see here's a man. And he's not trapped by the experience of death. Have you ever come across someone who's trapped by the experience of death? I have a very vivid memory etched on my mind of when I worked in the farmers' union. One of these female secretaries there. Tragic, tragic circumstance. Only child, only daughter. And she died. On her 18th birthday. Devastating. But that dear woman. Years later. No matter how. we She wasn't a Christian. But there were other of us. Others in work. Christians apart from me. We tried to support her. We tried to pray for her. We tried to talk to her. But she never got beyond it. The room that her daughter was in was left completely untouched. Not a thing changed. See, she was trapped. Trapped. And Abraham's not trapped here by death. His morning, you see, he gets up from it. And he stands up. And he says, I now need to get on with life. I now need to bury my dad. His mourning was in faith. Hebrews chapter 11 verse 15. He looked for a heavenly country. He is the hope. Remember this man is the hope of the resurrection. This is the man who the last chapter said to his servant. Look you stay here while the boy and I go and sacrifice. And we will come back. Well if the Lord can raise Isaac from the dead. Can he not also raise Sarah from the dead? The future? Abraham is hope, you see. So he mourned in faith. Let's notice then finally this morning. Sarah buried in faith. Sarah buried in faith. Abraham buries Sarah in faith. Now what do I mean by that? Well, here Abraham is now. And he has... The dead body of his wife. And he doesn't own a square inch of land in Canaan. What is the man to do? 
Well, he actually has two options. And I think Hebrews alludes to this. He could go back to his old country, where his father's family is and his brothers are, and he would surely be received back there, and he would be given the family burial plot there, and he could do that. But you see, Hebrews talks about not going back to the country they had come from. To go back there and to take Sarah back there, would that be an act of faith? No, it wouldn't. That would be an act of unbelief. And so a second option is the only option, and that is to somehow bury Sarah in Canaan. The land to which the Lord had said to your descendants, I will give you this land. But you see, Abram's been here for 62 years in the land. And look at verse 3. He's still an alien. He's still a stranger. This man only has grazing rights. He doesn't have burial rights. And so he needs permission to bury his dead. And so what does Abram do? Well, verses 3 to 16, <clears throat> with this passage then, um, uh, which shows us the negotiations back and forward between Abraham and the Hittites. <clears throat> They're the local people. <clears throat> the resident population of, the, of Hebron. And just as a matter of interest, for those of you who are interested in and where people come from, they go back to Canaan. They come from the son uh, of Heth, a son of Canaan. Genesis chapter 10. Read that section and you'll see their background. And so uh, Abraham asked them about selling him some ground. And, no, no, we're not going to sell you any ground. But we'll allow you to bury in one of our tombs. We respect you enough to allow you to bury in our tombs. And they offer him burial rites. But not a burial plot. Burial rites. But not a burial plot. So Abraham then says. I want you on my behalf. To speak to this man Ephron. Who is also a Hittite. To see if he would be willing. To sell the cave. Abraham has spotted out. A plot of ground. Here at Hebron. This high place. This high Hebron, from which he can view the whole land that the Lord is going to give him. He spotted out a place. And so, you know the rest of the story. Negotiations take place. Ephraim offers to give it to him. Abram says, no, no, no. I'm going to buy it. I'm going to buy it. And so eventually he buys it. And there's a legal transaction. And it's all done, as it were, at the city gate. They go to the solicitor's office. And it's tried. Uh, it's... Um, it's um, um, uh, handed over to him and signed over to him. Now look at verse um, 19 because this is the point we want to get to. Forget about all the wheelings and dealings. Abraham couldn't go back to Ur of the Chaldeans to his family plot. He has to bury here in Canaan. He buries or he negotiates this deal with Ephron and look at verse 19. After Abraham buried his wife Sarah in the cave, in the field of Machpelah, near Mamre, which is Hebron, in the land of Canaan. You see, what is Abram doing? What's all this about? Why does Abram insist on having a burial plot in his own name? 
Why did he insist on buying it? Why did he not accept burial rights? Again, because he believes the word of God. This man is driven again by the promise of the Lord that the land and belongs to Abraham and his descendants. The land doesn't belong to the Hittites. The future doesn't belong to the Hittites. It belongs to Abraham and his believing descendants right down to this present day and to the end of time. And so Abraham, what did he do? He buried Sarah in faith. And when a member of your believing household dies, what are you to do as believers? Yes, when we've mourned and wept, we are to bury them. We're to bury them. There's an emphasis again and again. If you look at the Hebrew in this, the, the verse, the verb Hebrew, uh, the verb bury. I didn't count the number of times that it occurs, but it's again and again. And again, we're not to cremate. We're not to cremate. We're to bury also in faith. We are to sow the body in the ground as a farmer sows seed. And we're to do that knowing that Christ, uh, at his resurrection, this body will be raised up. Here's the way it's put. In 1 Corinthians 15, verse 42, and it's the language of sowing seed. So it will be with the resurrection of the dead, the body that is sown perishable in the ground is raised imperishable. It is sown dishonor, in, in dishonor, it's raised in glory. It's sown in weakness, it's raised in power. It's sown a natural body, it is raised a spiritual body. And you and I, like Abraham, when death comes into our families, we are to weep and mourn. And then we're to arise and we're to bury, knowing that Christ is coming again. Knowing that the future is ours. The future is the Lord's and it is ours. And it is our beloved's in the Lord. Living by faith in the Son of God. In the face of death. Amen. Let's pray. Our God and our Father in heaven. We thank you that with the Apostle Paul we can say, O death, where is your sting? O grave, where is your victory? Thanks be to God for our victory in the Lord Jesus Christ. We thank you that death is not the last word for anyone who dies in the Lord. Indeed, it is the beginning of a bright and blessed future, far more wonderful than anything we experience on this earth, because then we are absent from the body present with the Lord. Lord God, help us to learn from the life of Sarah this morning how to live by faith, 
how to fulfill our vocation and calling by faith and demonstrate our faith. How, O God, then to die in faith, to die with our Hebron, holding on to the promises that you make to us. And help us, Lord, when death comes into our families, to mourn, to weep, and then to rise, to bury, and to go on in life, not trapped by death, but delivered from that snare because of our faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. Bless your word to our hearts. In Jesus' name. Amen.